Blessed be your name. Not quite. <laughs> While the boys look at it, I'll kind of key you in. We've, we've sort of looked at how the message about Jesus, that Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins so that if we believe in him, we will know God. Our sins are forgiven. We're in a living, life-giving relationship with God. We'll know him for eternity. He comes and lives in us. He changes us. He transforms us. He satisfies us. Everything good that is to be had in life comes from this, right? This is the message about Jesus. It spread in this place called Jerusalem for a little bit. And then we saw how it kind of went into a place called Samaria. We've seen how it's gone into a place called Africa. And the big part of the world then that it hasn't gone to yet is a place called Europe and, and, and through there across to the ends of the earth. Now, we're going to get there next time we preach about Acts. We're not going to go, that's next lot of Acts sermons that we'll do next year probably, right? For today, we'll just finish off what we have had. We started last week to look at a man named Saul who eventually comes to be named Paul. We talked about how he encountered Jesus. We talked about how Jesus uh, set him apart. And today we're just going to finish the passage that deals with his story of coming to Jesus. And so what we're going to do is very simple. Lucy's just going to read to us a bit. I'm going to explain it. And then Lucy will read again. I'll explain some more. And all throughout this, I'll have some helpers who will uh, read and share with us as well. All good? All right. How are we going? Oh, look at that. We're good. Okay, so we're going to start with First feeding. Thank you. Lucy, go for it. Oh, yes, you, oh, sorry, I do. Otherwise, only I will hear you. There you are. Saul's been, oh, Acts 9, chapter, chapter 9, verse 19 through to 31. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Thank you, Lucy. So, so what's really cool about here, did you notice in that reading that Paul's, or Saul's had this encounter of Jesus on the Damascus road and then at once he started to tell everyone about what's happened to him. At once. He started to go into the synagogues where places where people went to, I guess, do a little bit of what we're doing here to listen to uh, what God has to say and they taught from, from scriptures. And I don't know if you've ever met someone who has become a Christian for the first time while you knew them, or if you've even led someone to Jesus for the first time. But there's this incredible sense of excitement about what they found. And I think if we understand who Jesus is, just how valuable Jesus is, just how much he means, that it's unavoidable that the same thing happens. same thing happens to us as what happened to Paul at once. You know, I've got to talk about this. And then as we sort of journey on, that sometimes mellows out a bit and, and drowns out a bit. But 
But realistically, I think the lesson for us in what we see in Paul here is that God wants us to talk about him. Uh, Mission is part of the life of the church. Everything we do, everything we say is to make Jesus known, for us to know him and to make him known. And Paul models that to us. We see it just in that sheer passion and for him it carries on through the rest of his life that he begins to preach that Jesus is the Son of God. Um, Trivia question for you just before we move to the next reading. How long do you think Paul stayed in that city of Damascus? Remember he went to Damascus to go and kill people for believing in Jesus, then he encounters Jesus, then he stays in Damascus. Does anyone know? Just yell it out. Yeah, three years. You're a teacher. (laughs) Yeah, three years Paul stays in this city called Damascus. That's significant, isn't it? Uh, That he would sort of linger around for for that long. Um, We're not quite sure why three years. Uh, We know from other parts of the Bible he went into the desert of Arabia while he was there. But I do think that there was a certain... Uh, helping him to find his feet in what it means to be a Christian among the people whom he was at the time. Remember, Ananias comes to him and and prays for him and the church takes him in. And that's where his Christian life begins. If you're a new Christian, if you've just become a Christian, if you've prayed the prayer that I've asked you to pray a a couple of weeks ago and you've encountered the living Jesus, be with the church community for some time the one in which you came to know Jesus. Let them help you. Let them help you find your feet in how to live with and for Jesus. Happened to Paul? Will probably be true for you and for me as well. All right, the story moves on. Thanks. Lucy, go for it. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan day and night. They kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. Fantastic. This is pretty ironic, isn't it? The guy who was the persecutor who hunted down the people who believed in Jesus now is the hunted. Now he becomes the guy who is being sought and persecuted to be killed for saying Jesus is the Son of God. What a reversal, right? And then there's this whole episode that really surprised me that, that, that he, he, he get, gets lowered in a basket. Cities had big, tall walls back in the ancient days and if you wanted to escape them, often people, the walls were that thick, you could live in them, you could sort of cave out uh, rooms and stuff and houses to live in them. And if you wanted to escape, you could be lowered through the window of one of these houses on a rope all the way down and then that's how you can escape, right? We would think about that, that that is pretty cool, right? Pretty adventurous. It's sort of the stuff of movies. It's the stuff of um, spies and all the adventurous, exhilarating things that go with that. Except for Paul, it wasn't like that at all. In fact, this experience of having had to flee Damascus in a basket was a very unique experience for him. Let me show you what he got out of that whole experience of being lowered in a basket. Can I ask Jade, can you come on up please Jade and do your reading for us? 
Dad, you can just hop on that lectern if that's okay. Well, oh yeah. Let's move that microphone over. You're right, you, you go behind and I'll move them for you. Whoops. Whoops. We're moving right over there. How's that? So Jade's going to read to us a verse from that Paul writes much later in his own life. He writes, he writes about his experience about he said, I don't want to boast about anything. But if, if I am going to boast or brag about something about my life, here's what I'm going to brag about. This is what he says. Thank you, Jade. Okay. Corinthians chapter 11, verses 30 to 33. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and the Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Aratus had the city of Damascus guarded in order to arrest me, but I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. Thank you, Jade. Well done. You know, it's interesting here. Paul talks about if I'm going to brag about something... Thank you, Jade. You can grab a seat. If I'm going to brag about something, I'm going to brag about my weaknesses, the stuff that makes me feel really weak in life. It's very interesting then that the first thing he goes on to give us as an example of his weakness is that some guy tried to kill me for my faith, but I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. You know, this experience of being lowered through a basket was for Paul, was an experience of weakness. He used to be this great and influential leader. He had links to the highest corridors of power. He was a man of status, a man respected, a man always even feared for how good and how great he was. And now he is weak. He needs to run for his life. He needs to be lowered, he needs to be lowered through a basket. And you remember this is, in the old days, honour culture. This is so undignifying, so unhonourable makes him feel weak. And so here's what I want to just apply to you this morning. I want to ask you, are you weak this morning? You know, I think there's a lot of weakness in our church at the moment, if I can be very honest with you, if you go to church here. <clears throat> I don't know how many times over the last few weeks I've heard the phrase, I'm at the end of my rope. I don't think I can go on any longer. My health, mental, physical, my relationships that are breaking down, my family, my marriage. I'm exhausted. I'm weak in fatigue, in life's demands. My children, my work, I'm confused. I'm weak in my confusion. I'm weak in the uncertainty about my future. I feel weak. Very weak. I'm weak in my grief. I'm weak in my mourning. 
And you know, for some weeks, Pathway, I've wondered what I could give you to sustain you in your weakness and in your struggles. I've even considered suspending the Acts series for a while just to look at something that perhaps a large proportion of our people need to, to hold on to. To know that I'll be okay. I'll make it. To give you some comfort. To give you some hope. And then embedded in this message today, I think I found what God wants me to give all of us when we're in our weakness. The words you're meant to get are the words from Paul himself when he talks about weakness. I'm going to ask Anna to come and read them for us. Anna, can you come on up, please? You can just come and stand here next to me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, for Christ. In insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Thank you, Anna. Did you hear that, church? Someone's listening. (laughs) Can I read it again? And I want you to think of your weakness this morning. Think of how you feel. If you're the weak person. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, your hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, in the difficult stuff that sits in your life. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You know, your weakness makes room for God's power. And so my encouragement for you this morning, if you're in the weak places, my friend, would you please wait. May the power of God take over in your weakness. May you find that in the midst of your weakness, the power of God is revealed to you anew, to the point where you've never encountered it before. You will know God's power deeper, wider, and stronger than ever before. Despite your hatred of it, that is your weakness, you're in a good place. Because where your power ends, God's will take over. Jesus did die. He has risen. He is with you. Your future with him is secure. His presence with you now is unquestionable, undeniable, and his grace will in your weakness achieve for you what he wants for you. You know, I love this time of the year because I love looking at the trees. I've got a whole row of silver birch trees in my backyard and it gives me no end of delight when I go into my backyard this time of the year and I see those green buds and sprouts and they're starting to come through. Gives me hope. In your weakness, you have hope. Look for the green shoots. 
that God will start sprouting in your life out of that weakness, there will be new life, new hope, a new future. I'm not saying all will be rosy, but it's never, ever done with God. Where your weakness begins, his power will start, change will come. All right. That's what we read about weakness in Paul's whole Damascus basket experience. But then the story moves on. Thank you, Lucy. Go for it. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul tried with, stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Thanks, Lucy. What a cool... and I mean, it's dark, isn't it? He's three years in Damascus, then he goes to Jerusalem where all the leaders of the church are and, you know, where all the action is. And, um, you know, he gets back and he wants to join the church. And they kind of go, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. We, you know, we, we, we were there when Stephen happened. We saw what you did. How? How can we trust you? How can we know that you, you, of all people, who did what you did, is genuine and legit? Should we give our hearts to you? Should we let you into our presence? And trust you? This is a huge, huge thing for this church in Jerusalem to go through. <laughs> and I want to just focus a little bit on how did they go about it? What was it in the end that made Saul the killer be accepted in this church in Jerusalem? It's very unique and very powerful what God used to bring him into that. So, can I ask now for some helpers? And here I'm just flying a bit blind. Masterclass, I've asked you a question, if any of you wanted to, to give me an answer to that question today. So, so if anyone has thought about an answer to that question, do you want to come up and join us here and um, I'll ask you and you can give me your answer? I'm hearing, whispering, what was the question? <laughs> That's okay. Come on up, Abby. There's at least one. Come and join me here. So the question I asked, and I need to learn to write it down for you guys, was, have you ever, come on Jade, you can come on up too. I've asked the masterclass to share with us, have you ever showed kindness to someone, an act of kindness? Come on, come on up. Yep, anyone's welcome. Have you ever showed kindness to anyone? Tell us about that. What did you do and what sort of kindness did you show them? So I'm going to start with you. I forgot your name, mate. What was your name? Larry. Larry. Larry? Larry's going to go first. You share with us. Have you ever showed kindness to anyone and do you want to tell us about it? All right, you don't want to go first? Abby, you want to go first? Oh, Jade, are you going to go first? You're all right. Jade can go first. <laughs> go for it. Okay, so when you play a game or something yeah. and they're left out and then uh, you go out of your head and say, hey, I want to include you. I want you to be a part of this. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Gabe, have you got something? Yeah. Go for it. Um, 
Well, thank you, Damari. When I play with my little brother and help him not be bored. Yeah, okay. Uh, when, he's, when he's annoying. And, yeah. <laughs> and you help him, right? Yeah, nice, mate. And, and you do a lot for your little brother. I've seen it a lot. It's awesome. I'll grab that mic. Thanks, mate. Are you ready, Abby, to share yours? Go for it. Yeah, okay, to help them. Yeah. So helping like your brother or your sisters. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Are you ready to go, Larry? Yep. Tell us about a current thing that you've you've seen done for someone else. Yeah. Oh, can I do anything? Yeah, it could be anything. Absolutely anything. I saved a spot for my friend. You found a spot for your friend? Oh, you saved a spot for your friend. That's really cool. All right, cool. Thanks. Let's give them a hand. They did really good job. Brave kids. Thank you so much, Neil. You know, why I ask the kids to share us about kindness, even though the word in the Bible is somewhat different, is there's a real extreme act of kindness in this passage by a man called Barnabas. His name is actually, means literally encouragement, son of encouragement. So, so encouragement is the thing we're looking at here. Barnabas is the guy who took him in. <laughs> no one trusts Saul. No one wants to have anything to do with him. There's this one guy who goes, I'll take him in. I'll bring him in. I'll take him to the leaders of the church. I'll vouch for him. <laughs> He's the guy who shows the kindness. He's the guy who brings the encouragement to Saul and to the whole church to convince them to say, hey, this guy ought to be included, right? And I want to talk to you about the power and the potency of encouragement or kindness. So for that, I have another little illustration. Amber, can you come on up and, and bring us your thing that you've got? Come over this side, Amber. I've asked Amber to bring for us, well, who did you bring? Ellie. Who's Ellie? My teddy elephant. Okay, can you show Ellie to everyone just up there? Yeah, this is Ellie, everyone. And can you tell us what do you really like about Ellie? What's really special to you about Ellie? Because I got her when I was born. That's pretty cool. All your life you've had her. And how does she help you? Like, what, how does she, does she kind of, do you cuddle her sometimes when you go to bed? Sometimes. Okay. What about when you're sad? When you're sad, does mum give early to you? No. No? <laughs> wow. I love Ellie. I think Ellie is really, really cool. Can I hold Ellie just and show her? And you can stay here with me for a minute. You know what? I think encouragement, this thing that Barnabas sometimes, that Barnabas did, I think sometimes we look at the word encouragement like, like Ellie, like a soft toy, a teddy bear. You know, on the one hand, this is a wonderful thing because um, when we are feeling down or sad or destroyed and we need encouragement, you know, that's what a teddy bear does for us, okay? If our mum gives it to us, that is. 
Just a joke. <laughs> I know you do. Uh, but this is what it makes it, us feel like, right? Teddy bears are there. They, they, they do exactly that. They encourage us. They don't judge us. They don't talk back. They're encouragement. But that's the good side about encouragement being like a teddy bear. I want to point out something else about encouragement being like a teddy bear that I, that I think does not help us. I think often we think that encouragement or showing kindness to someone who doesn't deserve it Sometimes I think it's just a really sort of a soft, cuddly, almost like a bit of a weak, floppy thing. It doesn't have a lot of, a lot of power, a lot of strength, a lot of grit to it to change powerfully the course of a person's life or the course of history. And that is what I suggest to you, encouragement has the power to do. You see, what Barnabas did for Saul was enormous. Because it's Saul who gets welcomed into the Jerusalem church. It's Saul who does almost everything in the rest of Acts where the whole entire ends of the known world comes to know about Jesus because of Saul. And why is Saul included in that? Because Barnabas encouraged him and encouraged the Jerusalem church and kept encouraging Saul all the way through all of the whole book of Acts and the whole of New Testament, and we'll see Barnabas feature again and again and again. And he changes world history, church history, because he's an encourager. You know, we did a... Uh, are you okay to still stand here? Okay, cool. We did, a, we did a parenting course a while back, Dana and I, Growing Kids Godway, and Carla helped us with that. And it talked about how you train your kids to turn out well. You know, how do we raise our kids? And, and it said there's, there's really two things that you do. And, and I was fixated on the first one. I thought this is the only thing you have to do. And that is, how do you discipline your kids? You know, you need to discipline your kids if you want to train them to, to, to live the way you want them to live. But then there's a second thing that it pointed out, one which I entirely overlooked. Encouragement. Encouragement. Encouragement in the life of a child is enormously powerful, enormously potent in shaping how they are going to turn out. Discipline and encouragement. Please do not underestimate the power of encouragement. If you're an encourager, use your gift. If you're a whinger, it's always negative and pessimistic and complaining, encourage. It's much more powerful in many ways. Let's be a church in many ways of Barnabases. As we read in Hebrews, let's encourage each other. Let's never underestimate the power and the potency of what being like Barnabas can do for us as individuals, for us as a church, for God's purposes for this whole world. The teddy bear is more than just a soft, cuddly thing. It's very powerful. It's very potent. All right. Thank you, Amber. You can have a seat. You did very well. Okay, we're nearly at the end here. We're going to read the last piece and then we will wrap up. Thanks, Lucy. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learnt of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. 
living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. Thanks, Lucy. Uh, there's something cool in here in that it finishes with the <laughs> Paul debates, and you know, he's still on fire. He wants everyone to know about Jesus. So he debates with the Jewish people, you know, and then they try and kill him. And then the believers, they, again, look at the grace here. They should rightly say, well, you killed others. It's just right that you should get killed for your faith. No, they protect him. Barnabas is rubbing off on them. They go, we've got to safeguard this guy, right? So they ship him off to this place called Tarsus where he's safe. And then there's peace. <laughs> so I just, it's kind of, some of the reading you pick up, they go, well, it's sort of once Paul was removed, then the peace came. <laughs> and wherever Paul goes, there's not peace. You know, he's kind of one of these figures that just kind of had that effect of, of um, being full on and I don't want to paint him in a bad way, but it's probably fair to say if you read this, you go, his ministry and what he did for Jesus in Jerusalem was not effective. In fact, it was, it was in many ways unhelpful to the point where the believers go, let's just get him out of this city for a while because it's not really helping. So I don't know, you'd have to wonder what Paul would have thought at this stage. Maybe he thought of his own life, maybe as a bit of a failure, right? In Damascus, it was slow, he went to Jerusalem, no one trusted him. He really tried to uh, be faithful and talk about Jesus, but it kind of made a lot of trouble. And in the end, what the leader said is, how about we just sort of ship you off to the side a bit? It's reasonable to think he would have thought, maybe this is not for me. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe that's how you feel today. About your life, about your work, about your parenting, about your school. Don't know. Paul's life all up shows us that what happened in Damascus, what happened in Jerusalem, it trained him. It prepared him. It made him ready for what God was ultimately going to do in his life. If you face the hardships and the weaknesses, may God show you in his good time how that is for what he wants you to do, for how he wants to use you. Did it for Paul? I'm sure he's going to do it for you as well. If you want him to. All right, now let's finish up. Directly after this service, um, I'm going to create a circle of chairs here in the front. I'm going to ask anyone who is weak today to come and pray with a group of people who will gather here. Uh, you won't be asked to spill your guts. Your weakness will be noted by the fact that you showed up. You don't have to tell us what your weakness is today. You'll be prayed for that God would make his power real in you. I'm going to come to this prayer not only as a prayer, but as a week one needing prayer. Children, I ask you to come to this prayer. I want you to pray. I want you to see and understand that this is what the church does when we feel weak for whatever reason. Let us pull a Barnabas. Let us pray for each other this morning as we pray for each other in our weakness, whatever it may be. So let me finish then with a brief prayer now. Then we're going to sing and Mike will finish and remind us of the final prayer in the end. Let me pray for us.
Lord Jesus, thank you that you're an encourager. Thank you for the times where you've met us in extreme weakness. And we pray that you do so this morning. Pray that for everybody. Pray that particularly for those who will respond and come to prayer afterwards. Thank you for your cross. Thank you that we have reason, no matter what, to always be encouraged because the crosses are always real. Our sin is always forgiven. Our hope is always secure. And to you we turn and ask to find strength in our weakness. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you, Lucy. You did a fantastic job.